everybody, and welcome to the Qatar Race Review for the Winging It F1 podcast. I'm Freddie Coates, I'm with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu, and we're going to talk about the first ever F1 Grand Prix in Qatar. So, Adam, you doing good? You happy? Enjoy Qatar? Yes, all, yes, all three. I mean, I wasn't there, which, you know, unfortunately, it would be nice to be there, no, but enjoyed watching it from the television, or from my laptop, actually, because, you know, don't have televisions here, but it was very good. No. Um, not very good, actually, but I'm good. How are you, Nigel? Nigel, were you in Qatar? Uh, no, no, I wasn't. I just say, a good segue. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't there, unfortunately. No, I wasn't either. Did you enjoy it? Did you have a good time? You doing well? Uh, oh, that's a lot of questions. Uh, no, yes, no. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I can't remember the order of the questions. No, um, I can't remember the third one anyway, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Either way, personally, I, I, I thought it, it went by really quickly, to be honest. It was one of those races where it was just kind of like, oh, we're at the end of the race now. And mm. I quite enjoyed it. I thought I had good storylines, but I could definitely had good storylines. I mean, goodness me, the amount of news that's been happening in the past few weeks. It's one of those things that if, you were try, if we were to try to just distill it down into a podcast, we'd be here for hours. So mm. let's good job we're not sure to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the headline, which is obviously Lewis Hamilton has won the first ever Qatar Grand Prix for Formula One. Um, there was a lights to flag victory. He never lost the lead and he won it by 28 seconds. So that's, you know, not bad. Obviously, Verstappen pitted for a fastest lap at the end, but he would have won it by eight seconds, seven seconds or so anyway. He was cruising to the finish. It was a brilliant performance and just what he needed in this time in the championship. Uh, Nigel, uh, what did you think of Lewis this weekend? I thought his quality lap was stunning. Well, you know what? It wasn't that good compared to Brazil, but it was still very, very good. Don't get me wrong. His qualifying lap been underrated, I'd say. I think probably one of his best laps in the turbo hybrid era, actually. He's qualified more than half a second ahead with an older engine as well. That was pretty something else. That was something else. And then in the race... I know, pretty soon, but I'm modded up. Uh, and then in, in the race, uh, he got the start, and then the wind never looked under threat at all. He was just cruising out there. I think he had lots of pace, pace to spare as well. So he did exactly what he had to do. It was a bit like when Verstappen's wins in Austria earlier this year, I thought. He just he had, clearly had the best car, and he made the most of it. So pretty classy performance. Would you say, yeah, Adam, I, that's what Lewis has been missing from his repertoire this year? Just like yeah. a, a lights to flag victory? Yeah, it was his most comfortable victory of the season, really. And the fact that it's come, like, it's in the third race before the end, you know, where Verstappen was doing this in Monaco and the two Austrian races, you know, it's kind of not uh, the best look, I think, for Mercedes. But, uh, on you know, purely from this weekend, yeah, he, he looked dominant, really. And that's one of the few times we've been able to kind of apply that to to his race this season, yeah, he looks, you know, he just looks in control the whole way through. Obviously, Verstappen not being next to him on the front row had a part to play in that, but you know, he he was able to just take advantage of that and cruise to the finish. And you know, it, I think the the one the one thing missing is the fastest lap, which has kind of decently big championship implications. It means that um, if they finish first and second. Uh, next race, if Hamilton wins and Verstappen finishes second, Verstappen will be leading going into the final race. But you know, it's bit you know, 
beyond the fastest lap, it was a pretty complete performance from him. Yes. Um, talking of the championship, it's now eight points between him and his rival, Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen obviously finished in second. Um, starting seventh after a fairly irritating moment with yellow flags, I'll say. Irritating that Max didn't just have a bit of common sense, I thought then. It, it, there's been, he was so far around the lap, not that far around the lap when Gasly pulled to a halt anyway. Presumably, he could have been told to abort it, I think, on top of my mind. Uh, Nigel, I blame his engineer. I don't blame mm. because because his steering wheel wasn't flashing, was it? It was just those flags. Yeah. Yes, he should have seen the flags. But unlike, say, I think Mexico a couple of years ago when his steering wheel was flashing and stuff, and that was more yeah. silly, I guess. But for this... I'd say more of the blame was on his engineer for not saying... Because he didn't even have to improve as well, because Bottas uh, didn't yeah. go faster. So I agree. I'll put more of the blame on his engineer, but the grid penalty was absolutely right. And Bottas's grid penalty was right. Uh, I've not seen the footage of science, so I'll have to go with whatever the students said. But I was a bit surprised science to get a penalty, but, you know, he must have slowed down enough. Uh, but, yeah, I was... I thought the grid penalties were absolutely spot on. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's not a margin of decision. It's not anything really where a decision has to be made as such. You just look at the, the data and clearly it showed that they didn't slow down enough. And, you know, that's where that's where the grid penalties came from. It's fairly open and shut. Yeah, Verstappen's lap time improved, which was the main thing that said to me as well, come on, Red Bull, you're better than this. That's <laughs> irritating. I just mean Red Bull, yeah, I agree. The team should have done better with that. They should have probably called him into the pits and not bothered, I, I think. Um um, there's so, so much precedent this year for um, yellow flag and double wave yellows, meaning that you probably will get a penalty. Um, it was also irritating because it robbed us from Verstappen on the front row. And yeah. even if we're going on about the dirty side of the track and so on, which was a big talking point for the start of this race, it didn't look like to me that it caused too much of an issue mm -hmm. for the most part. And yeah, we missed out on a Lewis Max heading down to a very fast turn one, but he made a good, a good quick return to his arguably rightful position. Adam, what did you think of Max's start? I th oh, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, the he was just on it. He got a fantastic launch, and then he just picked the right line basically through. You know, the whole the whole of the first lap, bar kind of a hairy moment with Alonso or a, a tetchy moment with Alonso where. Um, it was coming off into the left-hander then Alonso was coming out to the right and Verstappen had to take to the grass or the AstroTurf to avoid that but no beyond that it was exactly what he needed really and contrasted with Bottas's start then you know it's kind of night and day between those two and yeah it was it, you know it, it was everything kind of Verstappen really needed and he got back up to second very quickly and that was that was all she wrote really for the for the front two so yeah, it was it was expert damage limitation really, and as I mentioned before, he got the fastest lap, which is you know kind of another probably the icing on the cake for his race. All calm and collected, I think, because it would have been so easy to overdrive at the at the launch and into turn one, into turn two, but he got everything spot on. He also saw Alonso coming, like Adam said. So I think it was a key moment because it would have been so easy to get. 
involved in a tangle war to choose the wrong line in the first few corners, but I think Verstappen's got it pretty much perfect. And then uh, he knew he didn't have the car to challenge Hamilton, so he made sure he stayed, stayed within the pit window so that he could pit for fastest lap, even though he had it anyway, I think, on, on the mediums. So, yeah, apart from a little blip in qualifying, it was another pretty good weekend. Yeah, his launch was mega. Starting on medium yes. tyres and getting arguably a better launch than lots of soft runners around him, I was very impressed by that. Um, and I think, yeah, the whole mindset from Red Bull this weekend really seemed to be damage limitation. I didn't really think they were going into the race expecting to even challenge for the win before Max had a five-place grid penalty when he was provisionally second. So I think really with um, with this whole weekend, definitely Max's mindset has been, we're going to take this to the end, but we're not going to, you know, we're going to do it properly. And I think his radio across the race was so relaxed and calm that he, you know, he's still doesn't there's no stress in this championship fight which I'm thinking I'm very impressed by it was like a 2020 race I thought with Hamilton robbing away then Verstappen in second and tried to mm-hmm. uh, kind of make his own form then everyone else still so far behind so mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of a race like, like like last year yeah it was I, I mean it's quite after after Brazil and all of that craziness. In some ways, it was quite nice to just have a bit of a more relaxing race. But yeah, I think, you know, that's a very good analogy or similarity. And, you know, I think it, it, it sets the championship fight up quite nicely going into the last two rounds. And I think both drivers really did the best that they could this weekend. I don't really see a scenario where Verstappen wins and, you know, the, the scenario would be Mercedes or Hamilton screwing up and they didn't do that either. So I think both drivers kind of nailed it this weekend. Yeah, it was a nice, the race was nice and relaxing comparatively to the off-track uh, attacks <laughs> and onslaughts that seem to be going all over the place. But we'll we'll put a pin in those. We'll probably come to those a bit later on because third place was arguably one of the more unexpected podiums of the season because it was Fernando Alonso returning to the Formula One rostrum for the first time since 2014. Pretty decent. I think he's been getting better and better and better all year. And this was by far one of his best weekends. His pace has been excellent and a well-deserved podium. He deserves it. He deserves it. He's been fantastic all year. Uh, And he was exemplary, I think, over the weekend. He was on it straight away, found the groove. And that enabled enabled him to try and find those precious, precious hundreds in each sector or, or each corner. And then, you know, to qualify fifth in the Alpine, qualifying isn't his best strength, he says. Uh, Ocon can often be a match for him. Not sure what the head-to-head is, but I think it's quite close this year. And then um, in the race, it looked like third place was going away from him, but then Perez decided to go on the two-stopper. And I think the way Alonso managed his tyres and stayed off the curbs before the virtual safety, uh, yeah, virtual safety car at, at the end, those 10 laps or so, he managed it really, really well. Used all of his experience, used his knowledge as well. So a fantastic weekend for Alonso. I think right up there with Hamilton as drivers of the weekend for me. Yeah, I think I I completely agree with that. And, and in general, Alpine really kind of nailed, nailed their weekend. They Both cars made it to Q3 and knock-on, ended up finishing fifth and kind of, um, you know, behind 
Perez kind of leading the, the the pack of midfielders after that. So yeah, just you know, it was a kind of great weekend all round for them, but particularly Alonso. Like you say, he's been fantastic this season, and he really helped Ocon out with um, his win in Hungary, but his incredible defensive Hamilton. So yeah, it it's kind of what you know. It was quite just a happy happy moment for it and for the sport as well because it's what Alonso deserves after this season and I think you could see how much it meant to him obviously you know he's won uh, won titles um, won races you know had some had some incredible race victories and it's you know it you, you could see I think you know in his mind that seemed to be on a par with some of those moments in that it was just such a kind of major major thing for him and he looked so happy at the end of the race which was really nicely happy Alonso and you know he has um in in good ways and bad ways kind of lit <laughs> lit up the the grid this season so it's kind of nice to have a, a crowning off moment for that i know what you mean about happy alonso because i think everyone was so happy to see the back of him in 2018 because he just spent so long <laughs> he just spent so long um just complaining about things and doing the best lap he'd ever done and it's just like oh all right fernando all right and that bored <laughs> hey, me he was lot. right yeah, he definitely always did the best lap he ever did. Um, I don't know. It was just the way he was going about it back in the day was just kind of crap, I thought. Um, but he's come back and he's come back and been humble, Alonso, and he's been great. He's been good fun. And he's been a laugh and he's enjoying Formula One again. And it's great to see because it makes us enjoy Formula One. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy you got the podium. Yeah, Nigel, you're right. It was due to a bit of arrogance from Red Bull, thinking Perez would be able to clear him, do you think? Do you think it was they took their eye off the I, ball and just forgot about the midfield? Or I, I, was, just, I was surprised. I thought he was going to go to the end. I was surprised he pitted. I, I kind of had to like look down and look up again. But I might have done that. But then with what happened afterwards, they probably did the right thing to pit him because he might have had puncture and it would have been tight. So... Well, they put him in response to Bottas's puncture, didn't they? So yeah, it, it seemed that way, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, but and then, but I think coming out in traffic, losing time against Stroll, losing a little bit of time against Stockholm, that's where it hurt him. And I think I think Red Bull have played it conservative. I think the, I think the constructors' championship must have been on their mind with that pitch stop after Bottas had, had his puncture. So I don't blame right. them. Uh, and I think I understand the decision and probably given with, with all the punches that happened afterwards it was the right choice to make for Red Bull and how people made the right choice for Alonso because they could afford to pay that risk Yeah I think if you look at the Constructors Championship Rebel have closed it to five points now they you know the, the dropping from third to fourth lost them three points you know rather than the risk of losing 15 or 12 if he'd retired so and ultimately he probably still would have caught him, you know, and or it would have been very close. I think it would have been extremely close yeah. if it weren't for the VSC. So yeah. I think if have all things being equal, it, you know, could have been the right decision anyway. And, you know, it, it was just the VSC, I do think, say, Alonso's bacon a little bit, which, you know, isn't to take anything away from him because he had to be in that position in the first place. But at the same time, you know, it was, it played into their, their hands and plays out of Red Bulls, but I, th I think it was, you know, the right decision for a Red Bull to take. One last yeah. thing on Alonso is move on Gasly at turn two around the outside. 
absolutely outstanding. I mean, it didn't look on and then he just found the clean out. Yeah, because Gasly was behind the house, it wasn't the end of Dirty, and then just placed his car like that and then just rolled the car around the outside. It was absolutely incredible. One of the moves of the season, that in my mind, um, which is just, yeah, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And it's, yeah, like we will say, great to see Fernando back in the podium. Three great drivers on the podium, honestly. One of the Three best drivers of F1 the in the last 10 years on the podium, I think. I mean, it's it's quite um, it's quite a nice symmetry of kind of the the driver that ended Schumacher's dominance and then the driver who built the next dynasty and then the driver who we all think is going to kind of, you know, be be the next big thing after that. So it's quite a nice, I don't know, link there, I think, between, you know, the Schumacher era to the next 10 years or however however long that will be. So, yeah. Maybe was, in 16 years' time, we'll be reminiscing when Max Verstappen has come back from for his comeback and gets a podium for the first time in 10 years or something. Um, Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, very good. Very good. Top three. I think everyone was very happy with it. And like we say, keeps the championship open. Um, we've got eight points in it. Two and I races. just find that amazing. Okay. Um, two races to go, eight points in it. Not eight races to go. I don't think there's eight races to go. Um, <laughs> imagine if there was. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, this, this championship is already 20 races done. I just kind of think, mad. if this is 2015, we would have finished in Brazil and it would have been... Easy. Verstappen champion. Um, yeah, exactly. I think um, I want to ask who's in the better position. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be Verstappen with a lead or Hamilton with arguably the better car? Verstappen. Verstappen. Not not e- even a hesitation on that because Hamilton has to be perfect from now until the end of the season and Verstappen. Well, doesn't Verstappen as well? No, he just has to stop Hamilton being perfect. Once. Hmm. I don't know. See, I, I think feel... I think for me, for me, um, because Verstappen got the fastest lap, it's I'd rather be in Verstappen. But if there were if 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 it was seven points equally, I'd feel um, so. If, if Lewis had the fastest lap, or if Max didn't have the fastest lap, and um, that kind of thing, then it would be I think very interesting. I wouldn't be able to call it then, but I think this fastest lap point swings it in Verstappen's favour because with an ordinary second place, he can be a point ahead. Um, yeah, well, even if you're a level. Stapp will be had one too because of wind. Yeah. 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 But then, yeah. would have had to have had to pass as well. But exactly. Oh, I think it's a tricky one because Mercedes look like they've got a pretty big margin and Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi are fully and Abu Dhabi are fully expecting to go well at. So yeah, I'm not sure which one I'd rather be in actually. Who knows? We have no idea what's going to happen. We could have chaos in, in Saudi Arabia. Because there's no way you can ever clear a car from there, and without having a red flag, surely, um, or a very just, slow safety car. Um, just one final then, point on. Oh no. Okay, oh yeah, as I say, and then Abu Dhabi was a rebel lights to flag victory last year, but you know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's it's. I think difficult. I don't know. I just think there's too many variables still, and that's kind of why I think I'd. You know, rather being Verstappen, I think you bet on something going wrong more than everything going right. And kind of has, I don't know, especially from what we've seen this season, that's kind of where I stand. Um, but just one more thing on on Alonso is that now that's a 25 point jump for 
Alpine in the Constructors' Championship and they've gone well clear of AlphaTauri. So they have probably sewn that fifth position up unless something crazy happens in the next two races. But all eyes on the front. All eyes on the front. Because Alpine, in my opinion, have not had a car that's that's better, that's been better than AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri have had a better car. So for Alpine to be ahead... Uh, it's huge, you know, mainly because of this result in the Hungary weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's a huge moment for them. And I think it is game over. For, well, for third and fifth now in the Constructors' Championship. So, so, game on now for the Championship right at the top. But one thing that was kind of tetsy this weekend, which could have thrown everything off kilter and definitely was what put Red Bull on the mindset of the Constructors' Championship, was the tyres. Bottas, Valtteri Bottas, went long for 30, 33 and 34 laps, and then he got a puncture. And then everyone was terrified that tyres would get punctures, and three other drivers got punctures. Lando Norris, Nicholas Latifi, and George Russell, with Bottas and Latifi both eventually retiring from the race, and Norris still finishing the points, and Russell eventually finishing the race, but way back. Um, It's caused a bit of a debate. Um, Pirelli were very, very adamant that it was a two-stop prior to the race. So when lots of drivers were trying to do a two-stop and then got punctures and then said it was Pirelli's fault, some people, I don't know, do we take that with a pinch of salt and think a bit like, hang on a second, guys? Um, or is there more to it? Nigel, you seem like a very tyre guru kind of guy. Oh, you know me well. I love tyres. I love strategy. I love F1. I love you guys. Uh, oh, nice. I, think, I think the problem I have with these Pirelli tyres and the rubber. It's the same as Silverstone last year as well, whatever else has been punctured recently, is that there's no drop-off in pace at all. You can see, you can do your fastest lap, but set a personal best, and then suddenly you'll have a puncture just after, lap, after 30 laps or whatever. And I don't think that's right. There should be some kind of indication whether it is uh, the lap time is slowing down significantly or, or the rubber... Like you can see chunks of it flying off, but instead it just it cuts and delaminates suddenly, and I don't like that. I think there should be some kind of clue because teams should be able to react to you know uh, we used to call it the cliff, didn't we? But that doesn't seem to yeah. exist anymore. It's just a sudden tire failure. So I think that's the problem. Arguably, the teams should like roughly know. Uh, when the tyres is going to puncture. But I think there's got to be some kind of clue uh, because otherwise it's just a lottery, quite frankly. And I don't think it should be like that, personally. Yeah, I agree. It's quite scary. I think, like, you know, it's a lottery and Norris was able to get away relatively uh, scot-free. I mean, he had to take a, a pit stop, but his happened just, you know, just before the pit entrance. Uh, Latifi's happened just after the pit entrance and he kind of tried to do half a lap with it and then just kind of gave up and parked up and that was what put the VSE out for the end of the race so yeah it's you know it, it's such a kind of sledgehammer to race as well but you I, I mean guys without saying that you lose so much time and like you say kind of having that having that indication that it's going to go um you know would would help the teams out a lot and that's kind of what you know we want to see that I, I guess not you know, we like unpredictability, but not to that extent. We want it to be kind of, you know, in positive ways and whatever. So, yeah, I think having, having said all of that, at the same time, it was, like you said, Freddie, a race where Pirelli was saying it was a, a two-stop and where they were running on the kerbs and the kind of uh, white 
sub curves outside of the curves all week or all weekend long. So, you know, from that angle, it's maybe not too much of a surprise that there were tie problems. But like you said, it might be better to not have it as a complete surprise as it bursts. So, yeah, I think I kind of, I think, uh, to me, it's kind of 50 50. There are, yeah, currently. Yeah, that's right. I, I think, I think though, with that, if you're doing personal best lap times, there's no reason for you to pit. And I think that's why the teams did it, because you look at the lap times you're doing, you look whether there is any drop-off. And if there isn't, and you are doing green sectors, why pit? So is, one thing, that's, just, that's just one thing to that, just devil's advocating a bit, because I agree with you. But isn't that what the drivers were asking for a few years ago? We had all this stuff with thermal degradation um, a couple of years ago with tyres, and there, this is when everyone was dunking on Pirelli so much because there's, you know, the whole bad product era of the Pirelli tyres. Um, and they said, we want tyres we can push on and be fast with at the beginning and end of stints and so on. Is this not now a tyre that the drivers have asked for? That's a very good point. That is an excellent point. And I can't argue against that because you're right, you can push on it and then you still have to make the pit stop in case you, in case you get a puncture. So that's a very good point. Because there still, there still is a drop-off in pace and there still is an undercut and there still is mm. there still are more powerful, new, fresher tyres. Um, but, you know, they ask for tyres that wear, but also that keep the pace. So a tyre that wears but keeps the pace is a tyre that's going to puncture without you expecting it, isn't it? And I feel like that's what we've got this weekend. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's an awful thing to ask for in a tyre. But... Um, it all feels a bit kind of he said, she said, pointing at each other about it. And mm. it's like, oh, it's not our fault with the tyres punctured. That's obviously Pirelli's fault and so on. And yes, it's a Pirelli tyre. But yes, when you, when, there's, when it's a 57-lap race and Pirelli say no one's going to make it on a one-stop beforehand. Normally they say maybe some teams will try a one-stop, even if they say we think it's a two-stop. This time, I was the first time I kind of really remember them being quite adamant on a two-stop. Um, do you think this just? Do you think maybe Pirelli needs to be a bit more kind of to this? Or you're an idiot in their press releases. No, yes. nah, nah, not not realistically. You can't. You can't. I think what they're saying. I think what they said was probably right. They give the recommendations as part of the teams whether they listen or not. But I think every car is so different. The setup, the aero, every little thing. The only thing that's the same is the tyres. So the tyres will react differently depending on the car, the camera, the pressures, every little thing. So whilst one team might only be able to do 28 laps, another team might be able to do 35 laps, say they're pushing at the same rate over the curbs at the same, same amount. So it's a tricky one. But I think overall, I still stand by what I said before that there should be some kind of indication I think F1 drivers are never going to say oh yeah we asked for this for three years ago <laughs> we had it coming no. like you know it's it's not not in drivers vocabulary so you know it's I guess unsurprising it comes to this and everyone bashes probably anyway but yeah I think I don't know if, if, if the people who would say if, if you're taking that risk for the one stop that's fine but I think you've got to do it knowing 
the risks and kind of with the driver knowing the risks as well so that they don't come out afterwards and say oh it's rubbish you know we were told it was absolutely fine i think that's that's the key thing and you know Freddie, do you disagree or? No, uh, no, I'll just wait for Freddie's back now. I'm thought... back, I'm back. Um, I'm gone again. Twenty-five seconds. It's bad audio. Yeah. Bad audio content. Really. Freddie's definitely back now. <laughs> Again, we use back now. Take it away, Fred. I can't hear a thing. I'm just going to wait a second. He was not messing around. Oh, well. Okay. Are you you good? Yes. Cool. I've had to switch to hotspot again. Sorry, Adam. (laughs) Um, I haven't heard a thing in the past minute and a half. Ah, it's all right. It was just wrapping up this discussion, really. So we can move on. Okay. Right. Um, Cool. Well, there we go. That's the tire chat done. Um, uh, hopefully, hopefully, we don't have any more issues with that this season because I'm dreading a high-speed tire failure around that Jeddah track. That does not yes. look like something that would be very fun at all. Um, we, we've already seen Lance Stroll have one at Baku. Um, I mean, so. I guess, I guess the only thing is whether this kind of serves a bit of a shot across the bowels. Maybe team won't, you know, teams won't be so. Um, thinking about pushing it at Jeddah, especially oh, Rebel and Mercedes, know, but... who are pushing for it. I, I know in Baku it was a different, it was a different thing, but you know I do. I think, well, maybe I think just really because more... you look at Alonso anyway. I mean, they still pushed the one stop, and no, three or four cars across the midfield still went for it, and things like that. Even with the the punctures happening everywhere around them, are from like <laughs> with the Williams cars and Norris around like really similar times. And similar stint lengths approaching for these guys, and they still were like, "Well, oh well." But who knows? Um, yeah, because they see it as an opportunity, don't they? They say, "Oh, everyone else yeah. is having a budget. If it doesn't happen to us, we're going to gain twenty seconds by not pitting." So that's the scenario. Mm. But and obviously, the driver will be on board with that. So it's that kind of thing. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? The teams, the strategists, the drivers. <laughs> God said. knows. Um, yes. But yeah, um, to to really kind of wrap up Qatar because there's so much going on. Um, do we just have any sort of general thoughts on it? Do, do we? Do we? I mean, obviously, there's a whole of a debate about Formula One going to Qatar. But what did we think of Lasale? Good, bad, I, interesting. I I was pleasantly surprised by it. I think you um, know, like you say, there's there's the debate about F1 racing that which we cover many times on this podcast and for Saudi Arabia and for other countries. But leaving all that do. aside, I yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the lap the lap actually looked really good. If you just watch a full on board, it's like you know, it's really really full on and really um, you know, kind of pushing the cars to the limits. The kind of long right hands curves at the top of the track were, were nice and yeah I, I really liked it um, I thought the racing obviously the majority of overtakes took place on the on the big long straight but the first the first kind of sector or the first three corners did kind of leave a bit of bit of room for someone to come back you know and we, we saw a couple of good battles through there so um, I think it was Ocon on Perez yeah uh, it came back at him. 
It's yeah, like a so lion. Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't expect much before the race, but actually, you know, I think it was, um, you know, it, it, not as bad as a lot of people, including myself, were making it out. So yeah, I, a good, good mark for for La Yeah, I think it's a pretty good track as well. It surprised me. Uh, I still think it needs another overtaking spot, like good overtaking spot over than turn one. And I think the runoff area, I know there's gravel, but it, the gravel's nowhere near where the drivers are on the exit because the track limits was changing after every single <laughs> session. At one point, they said, right, forget about the rules. We've said it's going to be all the corners. And then we're qualified and went back and said it's going to be X, Y, and Z corners. So track limits is a massive mess. Luckily, it didn't really have much effect in qualifying or the race. We didn't see that many laps deleted, actually. Uh, but yeah, there's a different challenge. High speed, the drivers enjoyed it as well because you could push and drivers love, love those high speed corners. It just makes them feel good, doesn't it? And I think there was probably more overtaking than I thought as well because that last corner you could make a slightly different line which set you up for the main straight. So pleasantly surprised, just like Adam. Yeah, I can only echo that. Um, I think you're right. Maybe it could do with another overtaking spot. I think there's some talk about maybe for a 2024 return, if they go to the circuit rather than to a downtown lower yeah. street track, whether they would extend the straight for turn six and just make that longer and then have a sharp turn and back up because that was the only other really possible place for quite an interesting, simple kind of move. Um, but I think really it looks like a track that could be wonderful with the 2022 cars. Um, who knows? Because if the cars can follow nicely through the middle sector, then you could get some lovely little switches in a way that Portimao was able to do as well, which could which was a track that isn't really here anymore. Adam obviously has a vendetta against Portimao because he always knows the racing is actually okay when the cars race. Because it's anyway. a bad circuit. It's had bad races and I don't like it. It's a fantastic on. circuit. It's a fantastic track. Um, definitely for but anyway that's not a debate we're going to have again we had it way too much twice um that's because there's two more races and there should have been sorry carry on um but anyway um maybe wraps up our general thoughts and Qatar section no i'm just going to say i think this is going to be an interesting thing but what's your favorite ridiculous news story of the weekend adam you can go first because i've thrown this on you um i don't know all right. <laughs> Nigel, do you have one? Favourite ridiculous news story? Yeah, because there's been so much. Torn again, someone to the stewards has to be. I, I mean, that say is, that. <laughs> just tops it all off, doesn't it? I mean, even though my opinion is that Wolf has been just as uh, vocal over the last two weeks or so, but yeah, I've been, because I don't remember a team principal getting someone to the stewards, definitely not, since I've been watching F1. So yeah, it has to be that for me. <laughs> Yeah, naughty boy Horner. Um, of course, he said nice that was in response to him criticising a um, a marshal, just describing the yellow flags in qualifying as being put out by a rogue marshal, um, which is definitely not the case at all. That is not how motorsport fans or motorsport figures he apologized talk about marshals. He did apologise straight away. But it was one of those sort of half-arse apologies where it's kind of like, well, if anyone was offended, oh, I'm sorry. But it's not him acknowledging what he did wrong, um, I thought, when I watched it. It was a great bit of TV, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he came out of the steward's office and went straight on TV. Um, 
but yeah, obviously, I think we should just say hats off to marshals, basically, because they're all volunteers and they're all excellent. And these are the people running at the cars when they're on fire. So yeah, without marshals, there will be no racing at all, or not not even testing. You know, so there'll be no motorsport. So they are the unsung heroes. It'll just be street, like underground street racing. Not as in underground, yeah. underground, but you know, off the books. Street F1. Yeah, that'd be, imagine that. Just like old <laughs> F1 cars being driven by criminals. Just, <laughs> after about 10 years, they'll have the fifth movie and it'll be a bank heist with Dwayne like and Rock Johnson. lights on and stuff. That'd yeah. Be fun. Well, I mean, that's maybe the future of the Doha Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've we've discussed it a bit on where the championship is now, but obviously we're going to Saudi in two weeks. The track is looking complete. How that happened is going to be probably brushed onto the carpet, but we can have yes. our suspicions about Saudi Arabia. Um, what do we think? Quick, a quick, you know, quick jab Being on, Saudi on the Arabia. clean side of the grid is going to be so important. I really think the dirty side of the grid is going to be so dirty. So I think pole position. Is going to be crucial because then they'll take it to be quite difficult as well. And I think if Red Bull Disagree. are gonna, okay, if Red Bull are gonna beat Mercedes, it'll be at Saudi, not Abu Dhabi. I've really got a better chance at Saudi Arabia than Abu Dhabi. That's an interesting opinion. That's gone against most people. Um, pretty think, normal for me then. <laughs> I think I think the will be all right. They've got F two there, um, so they've got three F two races. So that's going to give a bit of grip to the other side of the grid um, and give us a few ideas of what's going to happen. I, I think it could well be one of those races where it's a new track, so everyone's a little bit kind of tentative and not going to risk things. In a way, like we had with Baku in 2016, where we're going to be like going into a race going, oh, it's going to be mad at such a high-speed street track. Look how close the walls are and they're in sixth gear. And then nothing is going to happen and it's going to just be the same as everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's it looks very fast. It looks like the the fast bits of Baku, but extended and kind of just less of the ninety degree um, stuff in the first couple of sectors. So, yeah, I you know there's I think there's you know in terms of the championship fight, there's more to go wrong for any of the cars here. There's more kind of variables like that, which is um, why I'd probably agree with your point, Nigel. Um, I think if I think there's more chance of, of Mercedes and Hamilton not winning here than in Abu Dhabi, but yeah, it'll be. I don't know. It's I, I I am looking forward to it. I think you know it's. We won't know how it'll be until until they get racing on there. But you know, I think there's there's the potential for fireworks, and you know, even if there isn't, there's so many narratives going into this this last couple of races of the season that, you know, it, even a, a race like Qatar, which wasn't, you know, like you alluded to, it was like a lot of the races last year, but because it's in this championship fight with this margin between these two drivers, then, you know, it's, it's sort of something that, yeah, we can call, talk about it a lot more. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, if Hunter does, doesn't finish the race for whatever reason, Verstappen only needs top two and he, he is champion. Uh, that's like, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen. No, well, we all want it to go down to the final race. But just that unpredictability of a new track, street track, uh, you know, for a badly timed safety car or getting mm-hmm. caught, caught up in an incident, caught fire or the, and the race, something like that. 
I think that's what Red Bull and Mercedes have to be aware of. And I think it's going to be about risk versus reward more than ever. And I feel that's where Verstappen will be slightly more aggressive, perhaps. Uh, and that might help him get up, get up to speed quicker, maybe. Just these things. Uh, but, you know, looking at Hamilton's engine, Mercedes's engine, you know, that is going to be a big factor again. So I still put Hamilton Mercedes are favourites, but there's something in me which says it won't be a smooth weekend for them. I, I think Bottas will have a big weekend. That's my core. Oh, we're just doing generic random things. Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. McLaren on the podium. Um, I don't know why I've said that. Um, that's not going to happen. So, it's going to be so tense. I mean, this is this is the greatest is. championship fight we might ever see. You were one or one of, and there's two races to go. Eight points in it, five points in the constructors. It, the tension it will not get any higher. It is absolutely fantastic. The important thing to remember: Max can win the title at Saudi if he wins with fastest lap and Lewis is sixth. If he wins and Lewis is seventh. If he is second with fastest lap and Lewis is 10th, and as Nigel said, if he is second and Lewis fails to score, that will put him un as that will make him unreachable when they go to Abu Dhabi. Whether that happens, we don't know. Um, I think you've made what if they go to Abu Dhabi. No, yeah, <laughs> to, we don't know they're gonna to go to whether whether the title goes to Abu Dhabi, we don't know. I think we're relatively confident it will. But who, you can't ever say things like this because this is Formula One in 2021 and it is a feast for all of us as hungry fans. And we can't wait for the denouement because who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? I think um, it, it, it would just... I, I hope it does go to Abu Dhabi. I think it'd feel like a cli- uh, an anti-climax if, you know, Hamilton crashes or whatever and that's kind of the championship over I kind of after there's been this massive build up it I don't know it just feels right that it goes to Abu Dhabi but you know if if anyone does screw it badly then it's on them for losing the championship so yeah it's <laughs> all all roads lead to Saudi Arabia and then maybe Abu Dhabi roads roads lead to places and on that note <laughs> a lovely classic yeah, the road for us for this episode Oh, it's the end of the episode. That's really nice. I like that. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for joining me to discuss the Qatar Grand Prix. Um, we might be back in two years to talk about another Qatar Grand Prix, or maybe we'll do a podcast on the World Cup. Who knows? Um, oh, are we? What? It's coming home. <laughs> it's coming home. It is coming home, to be fair. Legitimately. It probably will, actually. It's coming. It's coming. But will the F1 Championship come home for Lewis or Max? Stay tuned to F1 yes, to find out and then come here yes. to us to watch us talk about something you already know. That's how <laughs> F1 podcasts work. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>